Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 62. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm extremely excited to introduce my very special guest, David Dickinson. David, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. Uh, I am ready for you. I've got uh, my armrest up on my favorite chair, and I'm grabbed a hold of my desk. I'm ready to go. All right, I love it. That's great. David Dickinson is the creator and editor of the Old Carnut Book Series. David has had a wide variety of careers, including military service, real estate investment banking, and automotive sales that include most aspects in new car dealership, and then as the general manager of a classic car dealership. More recently, as a consultant to individuals selling their own late model and classic cars, he's helped for sale by owners sell their cars for top dollar using his proven methods as an advisor. In his latest adventure into publishing, the old Carnut book series is David's way of providing an opportunity for people to share those stories that usually just don't get told. It is also his way of reaching out to young people beginning their journeys in life and finding something fun and worthwhile to focus on. What better way than through the stories from the people that created the old car hobby as we know it today. So David... I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Please take some time and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, Mark, I uh, I remember very vividly as a, a young child, I'd lay around the living room playing with my linking logs, designing homes and landscapes, you know, corrals, if you will, that would include lots of parking spaces for all the cars that I planned to own. And as a teenager, I bought my first 56 Chev Bel Air with the money I'd saved from working on farms, in restaurants, delivering newspapers, almost anything that would pay me so that I could get a car when I turned 16. And these days, I seem to be always looking for my next pride and joy. I've had countless cars, and there's stories for every one of them. But I, uh, I change cars fairly often, although I do that. I wish I could keep every one of them. I just don't have the space. Those Lincoln logs uh, aren't quite big enough to build a garage for the real cars, are they? No, no. The big cars roll right over the Lincoln logs like they're not there. Well, you've had a variety of careers, but could you bring us forward into what got you started in this book series that you've been writing about stories with people and old car nuts? Well, that's interesting. You know, I I was doing the automotive consulting, and I'm sure we can talk about that some point later, but I, uh, I had this idea that there should be a place for, for old car guys to go and, and do everything, tell their stories, you know, have a place for their, their biographies and for their, for their stories, whether it be road trips or whatever. 
and then a place to communicate and segregate his groups and all kinds of things. It was it was pretty elaborate idea that I had, and it was based off of the abilities of a, a website that I found. Well, I, I presented it the idea to uh, one of the the National Museums, uh, Automotive Museums, to be a sponsor for it, and I don't know whether the guy was just too busy on the day that I was talking to him, or whether he really didn't think it was a good idea, but he just he didn't warm up to it very much. And I got to thinking, well, it it's probably a bit too much for me to take on as one person. But I, out of all of that, I focused on the idea of people telling stories. And the more I thought about it, I, I realized, you know, you can pick up a magazine and find articles about all the famous people written by, you know, well-known journalists. And, and that's great. I mean, that's, that's good history for us to have. But what about the everyday guy? The guy that's hanging at the car show, the guy that's in his shop building his hot rod, the everyday Joe that just doesn't get any notoriety, there's no place for him to tell his stories. And so I, I wanted to come up with a way for them to tell their stories in the first person without somebody else telling it in the form of a, you know, an article. I wanted real stories by real people in a real book. And so that's where the beginnings of the old Carnot book came from. Initially, it was just going to be one book, but uh, it's been so well received that that I had more content that I needed for the first book. And so, of course, that had to come about that there was a second book. And then I thought, well, you know, let's do road trip stories and there's racing stories. So that's going to be the third and fourth books. I love what you're doing. And in some respects, it parallels a bit of what I'm up to here at Cars Yeah! through telling, having people tell their stories, inspiring automotive enthusiasts just like you. But I love this fact because so many guys and women go to car shows and that's what they do. They stand around and tell stories about their vehicles. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure we're similar in the sense that whenever we go to a party with a spouse or a partner, we usually gravitate towards the person that loves cars. We end up talking cars in the garage with them the whole night and ignoring the rest of the party. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, here... This something interesting happened to me this weekend. I was sitting, I had my table set up with my banner and had books for sale and everything. And it was a very small show. And the one of the guys that was sponsoring the show came over and we were sitting talking. And we, we were talking about car shows and how small this one was compared to so many. And I said, well, you know, it, it's it, the size is almost irrelevant. I said, because the people gather in groups. These shows are although the cars are the center and they're the focus, it's really about the people. Mm -hmm. And I says, right now, I says, you just stop and you look around, you'll see one or two people looking at the cars, but what's really happening? And he looks and he goes, well, there's people standing around talking together. That's because the cars don't talk back. The people communicate with each other. They're telling stories about the cars and what they've done with the cars. And he, he thought, he goes, wow, he says, you're right, it's all about the people, isn't it? Oh, it is. I just wrote that very same story on my blog last week after returning from the uh, fabulous Monterey, Carmel, Pebble Beach weekend, and how much it was about the people that I met, and the owners of the vehicles, and people there that were admiring them. So I think we're in, in parallel there as well. As yeah. we continue on your journey, I'd like to start with a success quote. Uh, it's saying that's been very instrumental in your life, informing your success and what you're all about. 
it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, David, take the wheel. Well, I, I figured you were probably going to ask me something along those lines. And so I, I thought about it, and there's actually three. Oh, uh, great. From the time I was a little kid, you know, one of the things that my mother used to tell me, and I'm sure everybody's heard this from their mother, can't never did anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was so true. You know, it, it's, it's how you frame life. And then as I got older and I was making my way through, uh, through business and sales and going through, you know, motivational speakers, sales seminars, that sort of thing, a popular mantra there has always been success is the journey toward a worthwhile goal or dream. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly true. But as I get older and now that I've involved in, in publishing these books and, you know, there's a certain expectation how many books will be sold and how will they be received and everything, I realized that this is, success isn't a, an event. Success is a process. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going through the process. How have you incorporated those quotes into your business and your life and in your passion for cars? Well, um, one is patience. When it when it comes to the the book uh, and selling the books, it's I think Lance Lambert said this to you a, a while back on an interview he did. You know, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Oh yeah. And so you know, I go to the car shows and and I talk about the book and how people can be in future books and that sort of thing. And I spend some time on Facebook, and I'm marketing on Facebook. And, and each little thing that I do is simply part of the process. It's not the car show isn't an event in that if I do a good job at this car show, I'll have success. It's, it's just part of the process. And every little thing I do is part of that process. When will it end? I suppose when they shut the lid. <laughs> yeah. Well... You know, what you're saying there is very true, and it's a great lesson for entrepreneurs, a real golden nugget. Business and life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And as you move along through life, every little piece of it matters, but it's leading up towards something else. So wonderful way you incorporated those quotes into your life and how you're looking at uh, promoting your books and, and what you're doing and moving forward. I've had several authors on Cars Yeah! before, and I've heard similar stories from them as well. So. That's wonderful. Could you share with us a moment in time that instigated your passion for cars, that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? Wow. There, I suppose there's a lot of them, but the first one that I recall, and I remember this vividly as a young child going over to my grandparents quite frequently. You, you might say the torch had been passed and my mother had become the family caregiver, so to speak. My grandparents were getting older, and and I still had a great-grandmother that was still alive. But my mother wound up, she was the one that wound up doing a lot of the things that others either couldn't or, or just wouldn't want to do uh, as far as caregiving for older members of the family. My grand, great-grandmother had had a stroke and was pretty much confined to bed, so my mother, my brother, and I would go over, and, and she'd care for my great-grandmother. And that left my brother and I to, you know, do what we were going to do. And how do you entertain yourself when you're at your grandparents' house? Mm-hmm. Well, their <laughs> their home was above a, a cafe restaurant thing that my grandmother owned, and my mother worked there on occasion as well. But on the side of the building, there was a pile of debris that was mostly broken up chunks of concrete. And there was a pile of concrete next to the building that just 
happenstance that all this stuff was thrown thrown down and it it laid like it was pretty much looked like there was a driver's seat of a car to me there was a an area that that looked like a dash and an area that looked like a steering or a, a little concrete deal that was kind of like a steering wheel and i'd sit there for for hours pretending that this was my sleek elegant automobile oh my goodness oh yeah and my brother would uh he'd lose interest in my fantasy pretty quickly and he'd wander off but i'd sit there for hours pretending to drive down the roads that my imagination would take me on how old were you then oh probably four. Oh wow yeah. yeah you know it's funny because lance our mutual friend had a similar story where he took a little table in his bedroom and put wheels on it and a steering wheel and he'd sit by his window with his arm out the window and pretend oh. <laughs> pretend he was driving so you guys have a, a very similar story the creativity imagination of a young child is just spectacular. Yeah, I uh I I just stay there and it was it was fascinating to me. Oh yeah, yeah. When I was that age my mother gave me a hand-me-down Garten Cadillac pedal car that was my uncle's. It was yellow and it was kind of rusty and banged up, but I can kind of remember some moments of time going down the sidewalk in that thing and I've always teased my mom that I've never forgiven her for giving it away when we moved because I'd outgrown it. I would love to still have that thing. You know, the interesting part of what you're saying there is, you, you know, your story and then you're bringing up Lance's story. And, you know, we all have these common threads that run through the fabric of our lives. And for those of us that are interested in the old cars, it, it's like it's part of our genes and, and we have something special running through our veins. Because we have the, all have these same stories from when we were little. It's, sure. it's part of what caught our imagination and our fantasies and made us who we are. And led to what we are now. <laughs> Some yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy car people. David, yeah. what I want to do now is, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and, and crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. Would you share with our listeners a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career that maybe pushed you to a breaking point, but more importantly, share with us how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. Well, I, I hope I'm, I'm going to meet what you're, you're asking here, but I, uh, when I, I was running a, a classic car dealership for a silent owner, I was the general manager, and, and he let me do pretty much what I wanted to do. And that, that went on for quite a while. Um, but it, some point he decided he wanted to divest himself his mother was getting older he wanted to retire there was he was done and so the business and the building that it was in all needed to be sold and and i i didn't want to be responsible financially responsible for this because in the car business if you have a bad month it can eat your lunch mm -hmm. if you have a bad quarter it can eat your life yep so I, I just didn't want to take on that responsibility. As a result, the business needed to be sold to somebody else. And it wound up getting sold to a guy that I knew that was, he was kind of into old cars, but he was mostly just a used car salesman. Well, when he came in, of course, he had to make it his business. Therefore, he was making the decisions, not me. And it was he that set the tone for how the business was going from then on. Well, I had run this thing, and it, it, there was an indoor showroom with, with beautiful cars, and I was running it like a museum. If you wanted, 
wanted to come in and take a look at the cars, come in and say hi. There was all sorts of knickknacks and memorabilia that was for sale. And the cars were all for sale. They were mostly on consignment. We owned some of them. But for the most part, people would come in and look around, and, and it was candy, eye candy for most people. Mm-hmm. I figured if there was somebody that wanted to buy a car, wanted more information, they're going to come and ask. So I didn't treat them like, you know, they were entering a used car lot. Well, when the business turned over and the new guy took over, he brought in other people and it was becoming a used car lot. And so I had, I had to say, I'm done. I can't do this. This is not how I want to do business. So I left. Well, I got home and my wife says, well, good. We had teenagers in the house and she says, good, you can stay home and that way you're here when the the kids need something or whatever, you know. So I did that for a while. And then I started the uh, for sale by owner auto advisor. And what I, what I did there was I would consult with people and advise them how to sell their car on their own for the most money. I took all the the techniques that I'd use selling classic cars all over the country and all over the world and was helping people sell their cars in the private party marketplace. The problem with that is there was nobody else doing that. So I couldn't say, well, I'm doing it better than this or better than that place or any of that. And so as I would talk to people, they'd say, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to consign my car. Or I don't want to deal with the broker. Or I don't, they assume that, you know, I was one of those things that I was trying to help them avoid the expense of or the lack of control because of. So it was a difficult message to convey. And those people that did get it and they said, yeah, I need your help. Those cars got sold for more money than they would have normally sold in a uh, shorter time. And it was less hassle for them. As good of an idea as it was, it was a difficult one to convey. And I've, I've elected not to beat my head against that wall anymore. And anybody that comes to me is, is either a repeat customer or it's a referral type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I've taken that information and, and put it into an ebook. Some actually two ebooks, a, a late model version and a classic version. Oh, great! And I'll probably convert those to print books sometime this next year, or the next two years when when I've got time between the the old car nut book stories. That was a great story, and it it's a uh, a couple examples in there that are important, I think, for entrepreneurs to recognize is if things aren't going the way you thought they were, pivot in some way. And I love the fact that you took that information, put it into an ebook, could convert into a printed book. Is Sometimes you've got to move your focus a little bit, kind of like flying an airplane. It doesn't just go from point A to point B. It's constantly being readjusted, constantly oh, yeah. recalculating. And that's a lot like life and business in many respects. Let's shift gears here now and go to the other end of the spectrum and share a story with us that you had a real aha moment in your career, a time when you realized that an idea or concept was really going to make it, and tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, I, I, I think I've kind of covered what I would say in response to that already, is, and that's that with these books, that was a, an aha moment. It's like, you know, this is something that I can do to provide a platform for people to, to share where they normally wouldn't get to share otherwise. There's so many stories that are told behind the bumpers of cars at car shows or in the confines of a shop uh, with friends 
that never see the light of day other than in those intimate conversations. And so my aha moment was, I can do this. I can, I can put together a book and, and share them with the world. And there's so many of these people that have sent these stories in that are so proud of, of the fact that they've been published in a book and that it's something that they can share with their friends. And a lot of these people, they tell me, you know, I bought 10, 15 books and everybody's getting one for Christmas. <laughs> Great. And, and so that, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. um, and then with the, the reviews that have come in, in, been coming in on Amazon and add those to the, the reviews that have been done by some of the more professional reviewers, uh, Al Drake had very kind words to say. Uh, Jeff Sirschmied, who is an automotive journalist, uh, he reviewed the book for Fast and Loud. Oh, there's, there's been, oh, Rick Hoving did a review on the book, which was very gracious. So I've been really supported in that way. And when I hear all these things that people are saying, I know that I'm on the right track and that I'm doing the right thing. Boom, got to do book two. And let's proceed and everybody's got a road trip story so let's do a road trip book everybody's got stories about racing or at least the racing community is so large and there's so much to share that people are going to want to see those stories so we'll do that book too oh i look forward to it sounds wonderful let's have a little fun here what was your first very special vehicle and do you have a memory about that vehicle you can share with us (laughs) yeah (laughs) um (laughs) Well, my, the first car I bought I, I was was pretty special because it was a 56 Chev Bel Air uh, two-door sedan, ran and drove, and all I had to do was put brakes on it to, to make it safe. If I didn't want to stop, it wasn't an issue, but I did want to stop, so I put brakes <laughs> yes. on it. But I bought that car for 150 bucks. That was back in 1967. And so, you know, obviously that's pretty special. You can't touch that car for anywhere near that nowadays, and no. it's been quite some time since you could get one very cheap. But the one that I, that I really, I guess I wish I still had this car, a, a 54 Oldsmobile, and uh, I actually wrote a pretty good story for it for book two. It's called Asphalt Eating Olds. <laughs> and it, it started out that this was just a car that... Uh, this gal that my grandmother knew owned. And it, there wasn't anything special about it. It was a two-door sedan. And the paint was chalky. The interior was beautiful. But, you know, she'd never waxed the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, when I got it, and, and I didn't know it, it had a broken motor mount. Well, mm. I was just a young kid, you know, first or second car at that point. But I ran it in reverse and then dropped it into drive and was going to spin the wheels. Well, that would have been fine, except, like I said, I didn't know it had a broken motor mount. Uh-oh. And although it didn't do any damage to the engine or the uh, radiator or transmission or anything, it did rock sufficiently where it literally shattered the linkage in the column. Oh, goodness. So it wouldn't shift. So I went down to the, I guess it was probably Napa, and uh, I was going to get a floor shifter. I thought that'd be easy to hook up. Well, they didn't have one for a 54 rolls, but there was one for a 55. So I thought, well, you know, they look pretty similar. So I got that. Well, I was working full-time, going to school full-time, and I didn't really have time to mess with it. I wasn't in auto shop. But there was this really cool guy up on the corner from the high school that worked on cars. Uh, he was, it was a gas station. He had a shop. He says, yeah, I could throw that in there for you. It'd be 35 bucks. Okay, cool. He says, it'll be done in a couple of days. 
Well, a couple of days went by and it wasn't ready. And I asked him, you know, what's going on? He says, well, he says, I had to reshape every piece of linkage. Oh. To make, yeah. So it'll be another couple of days. Well, not only did he have to reshape every piece of linkage, but this guy had a real conscience. And he didn't want to send me out in this car, the floor shifter, without some way of me knowing what gear it was in. So he figured it out where he could make this floor shifter work in conjunction with the shift indicator on the dash and right in the speedo unit. Oh, cool. Oh, so I got this floor shifter and had shown, you know, <laughs> run back and forth what gear it's in. And it was, it was really unique, and everybody thought that was pretty cool. Well, I was, one day I was going to get uh, new tires for it. And by the way, this, this, I tell the story also that this car is one that you'd go to the gas station and check the gas and fill the oil. It, it, oh, it had a main seal leak, and it probably burned a little oil too, but it was, it was a real oil user. Luckily, oil was 25 cents a can for recycled oil, and yeah. the ga- gas is only 29 cents a gallon. So that was, that was cheap. But anyway, I, uh, I was going to put tires on it one day, and a couple of my buddies said, well, you, you haven't burned all the rubber off the ones that are on there. So it was agreed that I would rectify that situation. Uh-huh. And uh, before I left school, I went up to the senior, well, I was already in the senior lot, but I, uh, they had just redone it, and it was all fresh asphalt, new speed bumps and everything. And I went and put my back wheel up against this speed bump and, you know, feather in the gas and the brake, and pretty soon I had tires spinning pretty good and smoke just pouring out of the wheel wells and the wind was wafting all this tire smoke up into the administration building and so i pulled the car up into a parking space jumped out of it and you know kind of disassociating myself from the smoldering beast <laughs> <laughs> well the cops came and they took their notes and they got in their cars and left again and i never heard another thing about it and i i I have no idea why. I mean, I wasn't called into the office or no police follow-up or anything. So that was pretty amazing. But that was the end of the story. The only, the only thing that really was the end result is that year, years and years later, I went back, and there was still this huge divot out of the asphalt oh, uh, goodness. speed bump <laughs> so from you know, evidence of my, my past uh, nefarious act. Yeah, those police officers weren't very good at forensics. They couldn't follow <laughs> the tracks into the... <laughs> well, they, yeah, they could have seen the car smoldering, but anyway. Yeah, a little was, bit. Yeah, sounds like it. Is there a current project that you're working on right now that really has you excited? Perhaps it's your next book. Uh, yeah, that would be, that would be it. Uh, the ongoing book process is I'm gathering stories for the road trips and racing books both right now. Great. Uh, the first two books, there was a year between. Uh, the first book was published August of 2013, and then book two was just published this month, August 2014. I anticipate that I'll probably do the road trips book, assuming that I, I have enough content, and I believe I will, by May, so that that, that book's ready before car season's really over. You know, yeah. you bring a book out in August and I got Christmas to look forward to, but you know that way I'll have the three books to take the car throws next year, and it, so that's that's pretty exciting. Is I'm gonna gonna move that uh, that date up and and really work hard at getting it done. Well, that's great, and I know we spoke earlier about uh, 
possibly me included being included in that. I've got to put my story together for you of a great road trip I took with my son, so I'll get to work on that for you, okay? That's good. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm counting on you, Mark. Okay, the pressure's on. Okay, yeah. now here's a, f- a rock in your pocket. Yeah, that's right, or a couple nuts and bolts. <laughs> here's a interesting question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? That's a tough one. Um, probably a 32 Ford Roadster. And why is that? Well, because of all of the old car guys that I know and respect, that's uh, that's one of the cars that is certainly iconic and that that everybody is drawn to. Mm-hmm. And and there's so many different things that can be done with those cars. They've been popular through through so many different eras that when you talk in terms of period correct, well, you can identify the period correctness of it based on what it's been done and you know whether it's a car that was done in the 50s or the 60s. The paints were different. The interiors were different. The suspensions, you know, they, as time went by, those changed. So there's so many different things that can be done, and there's a variety of, of them. So I, I, I like that aspect of them. Oh, yeah, and the U.S. Post Office just came out with a new series of stamps with the hot rod. Yes, looks they like a, did. Yeah, yes, like a, did. a 32. I rushed out and bought a whole bunch of them. So that Bruce my, Meyer owns that car now, and it was originally built in 1948. And Jay Leno did a piece on it, uh, a video on it. Yep. But if you go to Jay Leno's garage online, you can see the video with Bruce Myers' car. Oh, yeah. Really cool. Really cool. And if Bruce, if you're listening, I want you on the show, okay? So give me a call. Hey, we're up to the uh, last lap, David, and this is where I okay. fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. Are you ready? Oh, I'll do my best. Okay, here we go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, Buy low, sell high. (laughs) Of course, of course. I think another one I heard was if the top goes down, the price goes up. Yeah, there you go. I think it was my very first interview with Rick Cole, so uh, he he would know. He sold a lot of cars over his lifetime. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? I try to stay focused. You know, these these books have have become my life. I I do, you know, I do walk out of my office and and spend time with my my wife and and that sort of thing. But uh, my my entire business focus, if you will, and I'm I'm what you would call semi-retired and I don't have a a eight to five J-O-B. So this is what I do and I stay focused on it. Um, I'm always talking about it. I'm I'm always trying to get people to send me stories. I'm you know, editing stories, writing my own stories. It's, I, I enjoy the old cars and the stories, and it's a, a wonderful world to live in. Well, focus is a really interesting word, and I have a fellow podcaster that's just been enormously successful, John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneur on Fire, and he says, focus means follow one course until successful. And it sounds like that's worked very well for you. I never heard that, but I'm doing it, I guess. There there you go. You can put that up on your wall. Compliments to John. Thank you, John. You bet. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners, uh, maybe a website that you visit often? You know, I I gain an awful lot of knowledge and information and insight into the old iron and the old car people from Facebook. You know, uh, the... 
I, I guess there's Facebook is what you make of it. It's social networking, obviously. I use it as a business tool, as a uh, a place to gather information. It's it, it's a it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, it is for sure. And we'll make sure we list your Facebook page up on your show notes so people can can find you there. Definitely. Is there a book that you've recently read that you could share with our listeners? Perhaps different than the book you've written. Yeah, I I really enjoyed Lance Lambert's first book, uh, Fenders, Fins, and Friends: Confessions oh. of a Car Guy. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And you know he uh, he approached this in a in a similar way. I mean, in terms of okay, cars and stories and and people like that. He's written a lot of articles uh, as a, an automotive writer for various magazines and newspapers and stuff over the years. And so his first book was a, a collection of those, and it's really great to see them all in one place. The difference between his and mine, of course, is that his are all his stories that he's written, where the old Carnot book is other people's stories. What's really going to be cool is he is uh, finishing his second book now. He anticipates... Uh, publishing it in October, and it's all new stories. So I'm I'm just really going to be delighted to get my hands on that book. Oh, me too. That'll be really exciting. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Oh, I love to fish. And I I haven't been able to go for quite a while, but my, uh, my claim to fame with fishing is pulling a 70-pound king salmon out of Rivers Inlet. Wow. Yeah, along with you know some sixty pounders and fifty pounders, and they they grow them big up there. Oh, uh, Rivers yeah. Inlet, Canada, is uh, it's up in BC, and the the fish are only second in size to the Kenai. Wow. Well, if you need a little extra room if your freezer's full, just give me a call. Okay. I will. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. All right. The other the other thing I really enjoy is golf. I don't get to do that often enough either, but that's always been fun sure well i gave that up years ago i couldn't get the ball through that windmill it just frustrated me so much i I just decided i'm done with this (laughs) and the funny thing is i live in a golf course community so oh well that's the way life Uh goes sometimes well i'll remind our listeners that you can find links to the resources that david has shared with us today at carsyeah.com slash david dickinson and that's d-i-c-k-i-n-s-o-n all right we're up to the checkered flag here david this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and this is something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, and money's no object, I'm going to buy you whatever you want, what would that car be and why? Oh, my gosh. Um, just one, huh? I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all I can afford. I'm going to go to the 32 Ford Roadster again. Ah, I've there never we go. had one. I've never had one would like one and uh yeah that, that would be the car i think and why is that well because there's so many people that that enjoy them and uh a pretty large crowd to share it with that you pull up and most times people are going to go oh look it's a 32 roadster and they'll they'll come and gather yeah the deuce coupe well i like the the why in your answer there and that is you want to share it with people and that seems to be what you're all about is sharing stories and and swapping those stories over a fender or a bumper. That's spectacular. Yeah. D- David, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for being on Cars Yeah and sharing your journey with me and the listeners. Could you please give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that deuce coupe? 
and let our listeners know what's the best way for them to learn more about you, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Yeah, the the idea that, you know, I'm collecting stories and that book three is going to be road trips and book four is going to be racing and all that. And I don't get to, to say this out loud very often or a lot of people, everybody has stories. But I'm certain that a lot of people sit back and go, well, yeah, but I'm not a writer. I can't, I can't, I can't even imagine doing this. And so my advice to those people that would like to share but don't feel confident in sharing would be to dig into your old album, your boxes of photos, and all of those, those things that you can find in the past and let the pictures tell you the stories. And from there, begin with making some notes and, and relive those stories in your mind. Do the best that you can to put them down on paper. And re- it doesn't have to be well written. And I get, I get content from people that are writers and it's, it's well written. I've received stories that look like text messages from teenagers to begin with. Mm-hmm. My job as the editor of this thing is to take those stories that that are in the raw and enhance them, make the sentences correct, make sure that they they read well and that they're every bit that, that they can be so that when the book comes, gets published, a guy can go, yeah, my story's in the book, and it's written and presented in a manner that he can really be proud of. Sure. So that's the most important thing is that the stories are there. Send them to me. I'll hone them so that you can be proud of them. And before anything is published, the individual whose name is going to go on that story has the final approval. So it's, it's not me doing what I want with their story. It's me doing what I think is going to enhance their story so that it's the best that it can be for them. Oh, that's great. And you mentioned you have a Facebook page, but do you also have a website? There is a website, and I'm uh, in the process of redesigning it because of now the addition of new books, but it's at www.oldcarnutbook.com. Fantastic. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything David shared with us today at carsyad.com slash David. Dickinson. Just check out his show notes page. All the links will be there for you. David, thank you for being so generous with your time today and your expertise and sharing some great stories with us. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!